So yeah, I am anticipating our numbers to be a little bit lower this morning uh, because we had no power in our area from midday yesterday and we were about to send the email out to, um, to the congregation with weekend details and then we had no power so we had no internet so we couldn't send. So we only got that email out at about eight o'clock last night with the meeting details. So unless you guys, all of you guys probably are on the, the distribution list, I'm guessing most of you. Um, but yeah, so the web didn't get up early enough. We've only got up late last night. But we are recording, so guys that miss it can catch up. Uh, we'll send it out and we also will podcast it and stuff. You know, we've got an interesting story while we're waiting for the last couple of guys to join us. Ron well, Brown, you've always got something interesting to say. <laughs> Morning, Peter. Well, I'll share a quick testimony while we're waiting for the last guys to, to join. Um, so obviously we, uh, you know, we're, we're, the prophetic word beginning of the year was this is a season of, of kind of double portion and an increase, etc. I don't know if you guys were heard on, on Sunday morning, but so in the month of June, uh, Break for Life Church had our record tithe income month, um, highest income ever in the history of the church. And the, the previous record was like a massive skyscraper on the the, the charts. And so this uh, this skyscraper beat the previous skyscraper. The previous skyscraper, I think, was I think it was 2015 or 2016. So it was about four or five years ago and shows you how, how big a skyscraper that was and uh, and now this this last month in june we beat that so isn't that amazing that in the, the midst of lockdown um our record tithe income month and uh, and, and when we looked at the, the the income for for june it was almost um well it was about double what what the previous two months had been almost so obviously our tithing income had dropped with uh, because of of COVID. A lot of people, you know, were getting reduced salaries, etc. But still, astounding that it, it, it doubled from from two months back to to this month, and that it was our record. And it was a record on multiple fronts. It was a record in terms of actual um, figure amount, but it was also a record in in terms of the amount of tithing units, uh, meaning the actual individuals contributing um, tithes. So. Yeah, God is doing wonderful things in this season, and uh, he's, he's blessing his people. And uh, yeah, we hope that it's going to be multiplied even more on, on all, of, all of the business folk. All righty. Well, I think it's six past, and uh, Donovan's joined us, so we now can be legal and get going. Morning, Donovan. <laughs> uh, just kidding, guys. All right. Well, like I mentioned, and um, we only got the email out a little bit late last night, so a couple of folks um, 
probably haven't got the details, but I am recording and so we will podcast and uh, and share this out for, for everyone as well. Um, yeah, why don't we pray and then we'll, we'll, we'll get going. John Williams, do you maybe want to just open for us in, in prayer, if you don't mind? Yeah, of course, yeah. Jesus, we, we worship you. We love you. We appreciate you. Mm. Thank you for everything that you've, you've done for us, in us, through us. We worship you. You are God. And we pray that in this time, um, that you would just be present and that we would honour you. And you'd guide us. Guide us on that path that you have for us, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks, John. So uh, there are one or two apologies as well. So just in terms of giving some some structure to this this forum, um, we, we we put together a little team. So it's it's John Williams, it's Bram, Vanderberg, uh, Rob Chubb, and myself. Rob Chubb is is unfortunately not available today, so he just sends his his apologies. Um, but moving forward for today, we. Um, we're going to cover two main main topics. Uh, we're going to spend a fair chunk of time on on marketing and, and just uh, some some tips and, and and ideas on around marketing. I think generating sales is probably one of the most valuable things that all of us can be doing during during this lockdown period. And then uh, we'll also just touch uh, a bit on compliance, uh, using this time to get compliant and also ensuring that we're compliant. So those are a couple of the things that we, we're going to be be sharing. Uh, we're going to have Martin talking in a little bit. He's going to be touching on effective communication. And then Steve's also going to be touching on uh, engaging the digital space. But I'm going to kick off and, and just share a little bit about the power of story. Uh, so I came across a guy named Donald Miller uh, about two years ago. And he runs an organization called StoryBrand. And uh, really, it's a marketing-based uh, company. And, and they just do some really, really brilliant work. So the premise behind his whole marketing strategy is that uh, people don't buy products or they don't buy the best products. People buy the products that are communicated clearest. Um, and so when we communicate simply and clearly, that's, that's the product that people are more likely to choose and to buy. I mean, we can clearly see this when we look at the tech space. Uh, people buy Apple products because they communicate well, not because they're the best products. Just poking and prodding. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, Microsoft PC is clearly a far superior product, but they just haven't got their marketing as down as, as Apple. And so people will go and buy a product that's three times the price um, to get the equivalent of a, of a PC version when buying Mac, just because Mac is so good at their, their communicating. So I'm just prodding a little bit. But, but yeah, that, that's some of the science and research that guys have, have done is that uh, it's, it's so, so important that we communicate clearly and, uh, and people don't buy the best product. They're going to buy the product where they understand what the product does. They understand what it is that your service is or that your, your offering is. And if you can communicate that clearly and well, they're going to choose you above potentially a superior um, product or service if you can communicate it well. And so the... The, the, the way our brains work is our brains are designed to do two primary things. Our brains are, are, are designed to survive and thrive. 
And secondly, our brains are designed to conserve calories. And so as we're presenting your business, as you're presenting a marketing idea or a product, whatever it is that you're trying to sell, because all of us in business, we're, we're trying to sell something, whether you're trying to sell, um, you know, that you're the best preschool or whether you're trying to sell a financial service or an auditing service or whatever it is. Um, we're all trying to sell something in, in the business world. That's the, the basics of trade. And so as we're presenting your, your service, your product, as the, you know, your potential clients are hearing and, and, you know, seeing your, your offer, their brain subconsciously is thinking, how is this product or service going to help me? to survive or how is this product going to help me to thrive? That is the fundamental core basics of the human brain. Will this product or service help me to survive or to thrive? And if your product isn't communicating and addressing those needs in the brain, the person's going to turn off. Why do they turn off? Because the brain is designed to conserve calories. It's a survival mechanism. And so when your brain has to start to to work extra hard to try and comprehend or understand what it is that you're trying to sell to them, the brain just turns off straight away and the brain's like, this, this, is, this is a waste of calories for me to try and understand what this product is. And so we just disengage straight away and, uh, and you've lost a potential client. So our brain's designed to survive and thrive and then to conserve energy. And so the way Donald Miller puts it, is he's quite entertaining. He says, you know, it's someone does a, a good or kind deed. They, they offer someone a cup of coffee and they, they go and buy them a cup of coffee and, and give it to them. Uh, and the person receiving it thinks, oh, wow, this is, a, you know, Brahm is a nice, friendly guy. Uh, in essence, what Brahm was doing by giving me a coffee, he didn't understand me because I don't drink coffee, but he was trying to win my favor. And he was trying to get me on his side so that just in case uh, a group of wild barbarians come over the other side of the cul-de-sac to attack his house um, and plunder him, he knows that I'm going to be on his side now because he's helped me. <laughs> Brahm's got his coffee. And so by doing something kind to me, he was really just getting me on his team, uh, on, on his side, so that I would partner with him. And the same thing happens with business. We need to get people on our side so that, that they feel part of um, the, you know, the, the journey and that they want to partner with you. Um, anyway, let's, let's carry on. We don't listen to facts when we're getting, um, but when, when there's marketing coming our way, we, we listen to story. And so science, again, they've, they've done a bunch of research and, and you guys will know that if you, if you go into a lecture setting and uh, a, a, an academic world where someone lectures to you for an hour or whatever it is, you have to really you know, concentrate and work hard to stay focused for that full hour. Um, and afterwards, I mean, if you go to a conference setting or something where you're listening to a lecture style for, you know, endless hours at the end of the day, you feel pretty wiped out and you feel tired, even though you physically weren't doing anything, but actually your brain is processing a lot of calories to try and process all that information. Our, our brains don't really like doing that though, because they want to conserve energy. And so they're, they're natural you know, mode is to turn off. Um, and so you get, you get tired and drained when you listen to a long lecture. If you go to a movie, however, and you, you pay attention for 90 minutes or two hours and come the other side of the movie, you're still feeling energized and good. And you can probably watch another two or three movies after that, if you are that way inclined. 
Why is that? It's because of the power of story. Our brains are capable to concentrate and listen and receive a story message for an extended length of period as opposed to just getting information because the brain turns off when you just get information. And so as we're presenting and pitching your business concepts and ideas, there's such power in the power of story. And the beautiful thing about story is that they've created formulas for story. Uh, you can look at pretty much every movie or story and there's only you know, a handful of different plot lines and they all follow the same basic story. Um, so let me share my screen here quickly so that you guys can see. You guys can see my screen, give me a thumbs up. Fantastic, thank you. Um, so the basic essence of any story framework is that there's a character. And so in, in the business world, we're gonna call this character a customer. The customer has a problem, and that's the very reason why you have a business, because you can help this customer solve the problem that they have. In a movie, there's a character, the character's got a problem, and the character then meets a guide who can help the customer solve their problem. The guide then gives this character a plan to help them fix the problem, and the guide then calls them to action so that they can do something to solve said problem. As they follow the call to action, there's a result, and that result is either success or failure. And that right there is the essence of, of any story. How does this apply to business? The character is the customer who's got a problem, who meets a guide. Right here, if you can just get one thing out of everything I'm saying, I think this is the critical piece. Most businesses pitch themselves in the story as the hero. I am here to solve your problem. Choose my business and we will fix your problem. We are the best at fixing your problem. We've won 500 awards. We've won this award, that award, this thing, that thing. So-and-so has used our product. We are the heroes and we can fix your problem. That right there is where most people make a big, big mistake when it comes to marketing. Customers don't want a hero. Customers want to be the hero. And so we need to pitch ourselves in our marketing of our business, not as the hero, but as the guide. And so there's such a subtle but significant change in the way that we word, the way that we structure, the way that we do our marketing, when we present and position ourselves as the guide in the, the, the business world to the, the potential customer so that the customer becomes the hero. And so you are there, your business is there to make your customer look like a hero, to become a hero, that your, your business is there to help your customer survive and thrive, um, that as you communicate simply and easily for them to understand, their, their brains can conserve energy and choose you and not have to waste a bunch of calories to try and understand uh, what your business does uh, and then end up choosing someone else. So in the, in the communication uh, message behind this concept of, of, of story and us present, presenting ourselves as, as a guide, there are a few key things to communicate. There's a problem. We need to tell the customers that they've got a problem and that we can fix the problem. That's the very reason why you've got your business is you're a problem solver and your business is helping to solve customers' potential problem. We then need to also show them 
what happens should they not choose your business? There's doom, there's failure. Things are not going to go well with them if they don't choose. But if they do choose to do business with you, success is in store for them. They're going to get that hero status. Um, and so that is the very brief overview of story brand messaging and how to pre present your business communication and speak and whatever it is that you're doing a website that you present yourself as a guide to them to help them become a hero. Um, so yeah, don't be the hero, but be the guide. I think that's where I'm going to leave it. Just a very brief overview, but I, I will share um, the story brand website with you guys. And uh, he's got a lot of brilliant free resources that, that, that can help a lot. So I'm going to hand over then to our next speaker. Um, so Martin is going to be sharing. So Martin, won't you just uh, introduce yourself, tell us a little about who you are and then, uh, yeah, get going. Yeah, thanks, Daryl. Um, would you mind just give me a screen share ability? Sure, I just need to make you, I think, the host. And if you'll just give me back host, or I'll take it back when you're done. You should have it now. Yeah. Can you guys see? You can see the screen? No, not yet. No? Now yes. we can see. Yeah, we can see now. Okay, cool. So, yeah, thanks a lot. Um, and I'm here to tell you my story this morning and how we've moved from the physical world into the digital world and really how we utilize email to do so as a very powerful tool. So, Martin, why don't you just introduce yourself quickly and tell us what you do. Not everyone knows exactly your industry yeah. unless that's covered uh, later on. Yeah, so um, I'm kind of kind of go through it here. So, you know, I'm deeply entrenched in the world of golf. You can see the uh, website there. You can see the screen. Um, yeah. And we we run a golf academy. I used to play on tour. We merge into sort of the physical world. We do golf lessons. And then from, from there, we kind of move into the online coaching world. Give you a bit of a sense of kind of how this fits together. Yeah, so that's actually the app we built. And so, so we go from the physical world, digital, and then we built these two apps, one called Golf Stats Coach. You know, it's a golf analytics app where students really gather information about the game. It feeds through to the coach. And then we have another one called uh, Golf Coach App, which is really a platform for coaches and students to engage with each other. And through this entire process, we utilize emails as a sort of integral 
part of communicating to our users. And we have really north of 10,000 users now on these things. And so um, the key thing that used to be the case, let's go back a few years, is we had a couple of channels to communicate through to our clients. And it was really TV and radio and a newspaper for a long time. And then uh, things moved on, right? And now we have hundreds, if not thousands of different channels that you can push a message through to your clients. And, uh, you know, social media sort of comes to mind. Um, if you really get stuck into it, you'll see that email really is the most effective platform still to communicate to clients. And the reason is that you control the platform. If you go and send a message on Facebook, for instance, to a client, or, or you post something on Facebook, Facebook controls who sees that and who doesn't. So you might have a lot of people following you on Facebook, but your messages don't necessarily reach them. Plus social media channels change the sort of way of doing an algorithm and then your messages disappear. So email has been around for a while now and I'm not seeing it going away. A lot of people have tried to replace it. Everybody's got an email address. If you want to reach somebody and you send them an email, you're probably going to reach them. Okay, so email is a very useful channel. And then what you need to do in your business really to generate sales and to keep engagement with your customers is to collect people's email addresses. If you have a physical business, you can do it in a shop. Um, but if you're online, like we are now, is you have a, a collection form. So if I were to go to the bottom of the website here, you'll notice that there's something called, you know, free strokes gain padding calculator. Um, leave your email and we'll send it to you. Now in our world, um, of people that like to analyze the golf games, this is a valuable thing. We actually built this software, it cost us a little bit of money, and we give it away for free. And in, in exchange for that, we get a huge uh, base of potential clients that we sell to. And then we start emailing them and engaging them. Uh, with, with our physical business, the Golf Academy, we used to have a thing where uh, leave your email address and we will send you a free a voucher for a free bucket of golf balls that used to get the client to the driving range. And again, you know, now they're on our email list and we can start engaging with them. So very important, firstly, to collect the email addresses. Just be aware there's all kinds of regulations depending on where in the world you operate. In Europe, they have the GDPR which is uh, the effort to control privacy and things. So when you do collect email addresses, there's uh, things you need to adhere to. Yeah, so the, the key then is to, as I said, is people will not give you the email address because nobody really wants to receive an email from you. You need to hang something out there. Like I said, a putting calculator in our case here or a free bucket of balls or a you know, a discount to your shop or, or whatever. And so that's, that's very important. Okay, so then the key thing when you, and Daryl asked me to get a little bit into the structure of emails also, there's a few things you need to keep in mind when you email people. Nobody likes a sales email. Nobody wants to uh, feel like you're selling to them. You need to serve your customer. And so you need to send them things that are useful and valuable to them 
And really every seventh time you can maybe say, you know what, we also sell this. Do you want to make, you know, here's an opportunity for you to buy this thing. So I think that's really important. Um, maybe I'll go to kind of an example of an email here. So here's in an email we sent out to coaches that have signed up to our thing. And you'll see it's very short, plain. The subject line is absolutely critical. There's been books written about this. Um, it's, it needs to be interesting. There needs to be value for people. It needs to make them curious. So in our case, uh, we use something like, here's the strokes gain padding calculator you can use with your students. Coaches, that sparks their interest. So then they're tempted to click on it. What you cannot do in subject lines is add stuff like free this, 50% off, uh, Gmail, Hotmail, all these big providers, they, they read those subject lines and says, here comes the sales email and they just, they just bat it. They will, they will block it out. So there's a bit of a science to these things. So first thing, subject lines, super important. Secondly, a lot of people think they must have this whole production and write this big fancy thing with lots of graphics. I guess there's a place for that. Most people just want to hear from another person. They don't want to hear from a company. They want to hear from a person. And so we used to do the, the big, you know, fancy emails, but we actually find that a plain email works better. People trust it more instinctively because it looks like, you know, somebody, your friend just wrote you something. And you can see here, it says, hey, my name is Martin. I'm a golf coach because I'm writing to a golf coach. So there's a connection. Um, you know, here's our academy. The credibility is established. If this person doesn't know me at all, they can go look and see, oh, he's one of, he's, he's like I am. Yes, uh, we've created this, a strokes gain app. We'll think you love, um, but that's not why I'm emailing you. Check out this free strokes gain calculator we've created. I think you'll really enjoy it. Cheers. And that's all. So now this interaction with the person should be really good from their side. They know, oh, there's another coach that's looking out for me. He's giving me something great for free. And so you continue on. And that might be different in your business or wherever that is in your business. Um, you know, just find what's valuable to your clients and keep feeding it through to them. This thing effectively, every time I send it out, cost me zero, cost me nothing, but it's valuable to my uh, potential clients. So if you can find things like that, that really cost you nothing that you can give away that is value to your clients. That's always the best way to go, right? Then it's sustainable to keep going. Other pointers you want to keep in mind if you email clients is make the font 15 in size. Um, so it's big, easy to read. Like Daryl said, if you confuse, you lose. That's one of Donald Miller's lines. Uh, people do not want to figure out anything. If the font's too small, they're going to squint. You've lost them already. You gotta, you gotta make it easy. One sentence per paragraph. You see how this thing's written? It's easy to read. It might not be grammatically perfect, but who cares? You know, your client just wanna understand what you're telling them. It's not about having the best English. Um, so those are some practical points. Or maybe go another one here, another example, something we sent out also to golf coaches. Um, Again, you know, gives value through to the coach, talks about the guided one on the PGA Tour and his approach to the game. You know, here's some interesting information. Coaches find that valuable. And then I say, by the way, 
the combination of these two products is great for you to be able to do this with your own students. Here's a video we created, they can go watch that. And now again, they have a, they have a uh, positive experience. I added value to his day and oh, yeah, these guys, so maybe I'll go check them out. And that's how it keeps going. Don't sell people, the people don't want to be sold. I guess the art of selling is not to sell at all, as they say. So yeah, that's, um, that's my story in a nutshell. Um, I'll encourage you, it's really easy to do for a lot of years, we never utilize this. Um, but once you start doing it, these systems are all um, automated. So as a customer comes in, you can tag him. If one customer or uh, um, one of my users click on this link, I know it, it gets a tag. And so later on, you segment your people and you can feed specific information through to specific people. And you, you can set up, um, you know, these people, if you go study this stuff, these people that have 50 emails, automated emails, the one links to the other, and it takes you through this whole story. It's like being on a soap opera or something. And they, they generate huge sales with that process. Um, and it's one time set up and then you're pretty much done with it. So yeah, that is how you can utilize email to grow your following and generate sales. Brilliant, thanks Martin. Um, Pleasure. Just need to get back the host ability. Where are you hiding on my screen now? There you are. Martin, it's not letting me take it back. Can you uh, transfer host back to me if you click on my video and then say make host? I think there's one or two in the waiting room. There we go. Thanks so much, Martin. I, I loved um, the, the video you showed, Martin, where there was that one tagline, uh, your coach in your pocket. Um, and I think that's just brilliant. It, it communicates clearly what, what your, your business is doing and what the app um, does. And I think also for, for all of us, you know, the different products or businesses that you're involved with, to find those taglines that kind of summarize your business into a one-liner that is so simple to communicate. Um, again, as, as Martin and I both said, if you confuse, you lose. I remember, uh, Years back, a friend of mine was was an engineer working for you know working on the mines, and, and he did oh, I don't know complex stuff that I couldn't understand, and it took me like numerous conversations to understand exactly what he did for a living, um, and he used to sell variable speed drives to the mines, uh, and it's a lot more complex than that. But anyway, it was it was interesting. We'd be in conversations socially, and people would say, "Hey, what do you do?" And he'd start to get into this, you know, lengthy, complex explanation. And then I just interrupt him and say, shut up, man. This is what you do. He sells, you know, those conveyor things that move all the stuff in the mines in and out. He sells the motors that move those conveyors. Oh, okay. <laughs> but anyway, for us as a business to understand and figure out how can we simply and effectively communicate what your business offers and what it does in a one or two liner 
and uh, and then you will succeed to win. All right, but next up, we've got Steve. Steve's going to be chatting about engaging the online world a little bit more. So Steve has been struggling with his internet a little bit, so hopefully it will it will work. Steve, Steve, are you there or did you freeze again? Nope, lost his video. Steve, you there? All right. I tell you what, hopefully Steve will get a better connection, but Bram, can we jump ahead and, uh, and go to you and then hopefully we'll come back to Steve uh, at the end of the call. You're still muted there. Yeah. Okay, I, uh, I caught the short stick. I've got the interesting part of the presentation which is the compliance part. <laughs> um, so, you know, when we, when we talked about this morning, I said uh, businesses obviously differ, but when we, when we look at, um, at what are important for businesses currently in the current environment, then the first one would definitely be sales and how do I sell um, and how do I change my selling strategy to adapt to what, what people call the new world, which I'm not so sure Bible never talks about the new world other than the New Testament, but, uh, but be it as it may, um, things have definitely changed. Uh, and so, so I, I, I really like quite a few things that both Daryl and Martin touched on. Thanks, Martin. That was really, really good. Um, Daryl, you know, making the client the hero instead of the company the hero. In our environment, uh, as, as, as most people would know, we, we're in the investment environment. We've done pretty well during this time by not losing clients' money, I think. <clears throat> and, and when we send out our emails, we've changed our tack a little bit in, in saying, oh, guys, you know, we've done so well with your money and, you, you know, we've, we're such experts and, you know, we, we took the right strategy. Rather than that, we say, wow, you guys have made the right choice, you know, by putting your money with us. So you become the hero by your choice and not... not we're being the hero by our expertise. So I really like that. I, I think that's, that's very valuable. Martin, and I, just two or three things that you touched on that I thought was quite significant. The one is the, the, the emails and the, the structure and length of the emails. We've also found, you know, in the investment world, you can send out pages and pages on an email with information and what the market is doing and what, how the politicians are affecting the markets and, and the economy and all those kind of things. And people just don't read it. So keeping those emails short, one-liners, um, to the point, you know, you, you, you rather send out, uh, we found that, rather send out three short emails than one long email over time. That's much, much more effective. Uh, so, so I thought that, that, that was really good. Yeah. And then, um, you know, one of the things that we found in this time, while we have time for it, uh, Martin, you talked about segmenting your... Uh, your clients. And I think that's really, really important. In our game, you know, we have large clients, medium clients, smaller clients. So <clears throat> in a sense, our large clients, we, we go through the effort of sending each one of them a personal email rather than including them on the group email. Um, and whereas the small clients kind of get the group email. Uh, and that, that saves a bit of time. But I think it's very, very important to know who your client is, um, what are their needs and, and, and hopes and, and segmenting in this time. 
I, I've always said when you go through difficult times, who are the important ones in the, in the business is your current clients. So your current clients, keep them, keep them happy. Um, when you come out of the difficult times, they're the ones that support you through the difficult times. It's difficult to find new clients at the moment simply because people haven't got money and the economy is difficult. And I'm not, not talking about compliance now, Daryl, sorry, but <laughs> just, you know, my passion, despite the fact that I'm an accountant, my passion is not really compliance, but uh, it's very important. <laughs> I'll talk about that just now. But uh, my passion is really, you know, I've, I've always said, <clears throat> if you give me a product that I believe in, I can sell it. But I, I'm not going to sell vacuum cleaners. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, not a good salesman. If you give me a vacuum cleaner, I won't sell it. But I'll sell something that I believe in. And, and that's, that's important in, in this time to keep the clients that you have, the current clients, those, you know, the goose with the golden egg, keep them happy, keep them on your side. <clears throat> because when you come through the difficult times, those are the guys that are going to give you referrals for new clients um, and, and build your business, really. Anyway, Daryl, so you can go ahead with a PowerPoint slide. I'm not going to take over the hosting, but <clears throat> I thought I'd just run really quickly through compliance. Um, as John would know, because we're in the same game, um, we are with uh, our regulating authority is somebody called the Financial Services Conduct Authority, FISCA, used to be the FSB. Um, in this time of lockdown, they have generated more compliance notes um, I think in the last two and a half months, they generated more compliance issues and compliance note that, that, than they did in the, law, in the full of the whole last year. Um, I, I think people are sitting at home and they've got time and they think, mm, let's do this and let's, you know, let's write this new compliance thing and let's write that new compliance thing. So it really is a good time while you have time to, to catch up with compliance and ensure that your business is compliant. <clears throat> now, there are many, many aspects of compliance, you know, and people have asked me, and, and Daryl asked, I should tell stories, so I'm gonna tell a story. <laughs> you know, we have a client who <clears throat> has a construction business, and when it was locked down five, they couldn't do much. But it, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna name names, I'm just, you know, put, put fictional characters and positions in, but it's very close to the truth. So if you have a business, and this is a, this is a dilemma story, you have a business, you've got 10 people working for you who's dependent on their salaries, uh, families, <clears throat> um, you haven't got work, you can't pay their salaries, but there is a contract available. If you contravene the lockdown rules, you can work on this contract and you can feed families. So what do you do? <laughs> I wish I had the answer. I, I talked to many, many uh, people about this, many business people about this, and, and, you know, we haven't got the answer. So that's why I've got Isaiah 60 verse 70 here, 17 here, which has always been a guideline for me. Um, I'm not saying go against regulation, uh, but, you know, this is a kind of a catch-22. People can't feed their families. You can get a contract. You are going to contravene some of the regulations. Isaiah 16 verse 17 says, I will appoint peace as your God. I will appoint peace as your God. And I've always tried to follow that. Um, that, that God appoints peace as my God um, and righteousness as your ruler. So do I give the answer? No, I don't. I leave it over to you. <laughs> you know, and, um, and in, a, in a situation like that, go on your knees and let God guide you. Um, 
Let God guide you as to what to do, where to do. Follow the rules as, as much as you could. But, but you know, if there comes a time when it's about life and death, I'd choose life. <laughs> I'd rather choose life. Um, okay, so, <clears throat> so that, that just on, 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 the, on the ethical aspect. Um, I, another story that I want to tell, which is about the last point that I've got there, win the trust of your customers, and, and it often leads to referrals. When we started in the business of financial planning, so we've got a financial planning and an investment side, um, two different businesses. But when we started our financial planning, I'll never forget, one of the first clients we went to see was the financial director of Astral Foods. Astral Foods are the guys that are uh, in chickens. So they they the competition for rainbow chickens. They they're actually much larger than rainbow chickens. So if you buy if you buy um, chicken at Woolies, you'll be able, you'll buy astral chickens. Okay, so a, a guy with a lot of money, <clears throat> and we sat and we made some plans for his investments uh, in his office. And as we walked out, my partner and and, and myself, as we walked out, this guy said. Um, you know, now we'd won his trust and we'd, we'd kind of over, over, over years now become friends. But at that stage, we, we weren't. We didn't know each other that well. But we'd now won his trust by doing the plan in his office and, and he'd given us some money to invest and manage. And uh, as we walked out, he said, guys, I don't really care what you do as long as you don't steal my money. And I thought, that is... I mean, is that what people think of our industry? And that is really, you know, that, that, that's really a, a vision of what people have of your industry. You can do anything, just don't steal my money, you know. Um, <clears throat> and we have to turn that around. So I, 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 I do think if you are ethical, uh, integrity is a large part of being ethical and, and, and follow the rules as far as you can and stay up to date with compliance you win the trust of people. You don't want a customer reading in a newspaper that your business got a 200,000 rand fine because you weren't compliant. <laughs> you don't want to do that. So, so I'm, I'm going to run through just quickly a few things um, where we have to, and, and it's not a comprehensive list at all. I'm just going to go quickly through that. Uh, a few of the aspects that we have to be compliant. You can go to the next slide. The first one is obviously the tax man and tax issues and payments. Uh, and so <clears throat> in this time, it'll be very good to just check with your accountant and your auditor. Are you up to date with those things? I've had many businesses come to us and say, oh, we can't get uh, support from the, from the COVID-19 support funds and so on. I say, well, why can't you get support? Did you not apply? Did you not apply correctly? No, we go, went through all the work, but our PAYE wasn't up to date or our VAT wasn't up to date or our UIF payments weren't up to date. Um, and so they were very, very strict on that. Um, you know, people are complaining that it's a racist issue that, you know, some do get and some don't get from the funds. I didn't find that. You know, when we applied, um, uh, if people were up to date with their statutory compliance, they got, they got support. That's, that, that was our experience. You might have a different experience. But just make sure that you're up to date with income tax and VAT and PAYE and UIF. And I always say... Um, you know, get professional people to help you. Get a good accountant, accountant who's up to date. Um, another quick story I want to tell is we, we have a family trust. And in the family trust, myself, my wife, and my kids are, are beneficiaries. And they've changed the rules in terms of trusts where all the finish, uh, beneficiaries have to register as taxpayers at SARS before um, you can hand in the, the trust accounts and and the trust taxation and so on. So we had to go and register my kids as uh, 
uh, taxpayers at SARS. Now, being an accountant who's not really up to date, because I'm not in the accounting world anymore, you know, you oftentimes think, oh, okay, I, you know, I know what to do. I'll, I'll go and stand at SARS and quickly go and register. We spent a whole morning at SARS just to realize that you know, can now register your kids online. <laughs> so I spent a whole morning, went back home, and in 20 minutes registered all my kids as taxpayers. It could have saved me a lot of money if I contacted my up-to-date accountant or auditor um, who would have told me that don't go through the trouble of standing in the kids' eyes. Just go online and register uh, and your kids. So, so um, um, it, it, it pays to have a good accountant or a good auditor who, who are up to, who's up to date and, uh, and, and keep you up to date with these things, you know, skills levels, the compensation. And we just bought that. And for three years, something like that, uh, a medium-sized company that never registered for skills levies. <laughs> um, so now we have to go back to SARS and you know, say to SARS, well, this company hasn't been registered. Let's start backdating the what the fines and the interest and it's a, it could be a huge amount so um so sorry is my internet unstable at the moment okay so <clears throat> so be up to date with that daryl next slide is um you can go to the next slide then some just some general compliance everybody in your business you have different rules and regulations and different act, which is which is, people would be in some other way linked to the Financial Intelligence Center Act, which is all about money laundering, uh, making sure that you don't get money, which is from drug money and things like that. And one of the important things also touched is the uh, Protection of Personal Information Act, which is, um, is, is a new act coming in the next few weeks together with the Protection of Personal Information Act, which is about direct marketing and That's whose nice. information can you use and whose information can you not use in direct marketing. And I think that's going to become quite important. I mean, uh, uh, because of the business we're in, we get a heck of a lot of calls of guys who developed software with it that'll make you money on the, on the investment side and the investment world. And they want us to test their software. So we get a lot of cold calling, um, and, and that, that is going to change in the next two, two months, I guess, about what, what can you do with cold calling. So just make sure that you are up to date as to what you can do, what you cannot do. If you have a company, the company's act changed in the last few years. Uh, make sure you're up to date with, uh, with the reports that you have to hand in at your authority. Uh, Labor compliance, very important. You can't just hire and fire in South Africa these days. Uh, what can you do? How long can you have a person on probation before they are being seen as a permanent employee? National Credit Act, very important. If you do sell on credit, you have to be registered as, an, as a credit provider. Uh, otherwise, you are contravening the law. I'm not saying that uh, the normal business, normal business is you deliver a service, you get an invoice and they pay you in 30 days. That's not seen as giving credit. But selling on credit where people pay off, that is seen being credit. Okay, so industry specific, make sure you're up to date with your submission of reports, uh, such as financial statements, uh, compliance reports, liquidity reports, trust fund reports, client reports. Uh, a lot of interest industries these days are forced to report to clients at least once a quarter, or once, a, once every six months. Uh, make sure you're up to date with that. Most industries these days have an ombudsman where you have to register. So if you're in a sectional title, 
uh, you'll see on your sectional title um, statement that there's a CSOS levy of 20 or 30 rand. That's the ombudsman for sectional titles. Uh, and that's a new thing. So make sure you are registered and you report if, if, they, if that's relevant to you. Make sure you know what the specific acts are uh, in terms of your own industry. Uh, and private benefit organizations used to not um, report much. These days, they have a lot to report on. Um, they have to be compliant. They can't make more than, I think it's 50,000 rand a year profit. Otherwise, you become a taxable uh, uh, organization and so on. Martin, uh, um, yeah. Daryl, sorry. The, I think the last slide then. <clears throat> okay, so... Um, yeah, just in terms of every now and then an ad hoc report comes out or, uh, you know, SARS sent out uh, something which you can take part in. Uh, we talked about COVID-19. Luckily, we're back to lockdown three and not in lockdown five anymore. Uh, and so mo most people can go back to businesses. It seems like uh, we have some people uh, at our office who come from Hartbeersburg Dam and that's in the Northwest. They used to go through roadblocks almost every day seems like that has decreased but make sure they've got their papers so that they don't have to turn around um, make sure you you know you know what the rules and regulation regarding those are uh, talked about the regulating bodies um, and and then I, I've I, in this time I find quite a few people who started new businesses joint ventures um, purchased some other businesses went into into partnership uh, I've had many many partnerships and 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 uh, shareholders that have started businesses with me and I do think it's very very important in this time to check your shareholders agreement that there is a shareholder agreement who does what who gets what what happens when someone falls away um, can the family then take over their portion of the share or does it become available to you uh, I think those things are very very important check your rental and lease contracts uh, renegotiate if you can because we used to say you know uh, 8% increase in a, in a rental contract is, is relatively good. Uh, you know, with inflation at 4% and interest rates at, at 45 or 4.7%, that's quite a high increase these days. So see if you can renegotiate that. Make sure you've got your shareholders contracts and your JV contracts in place so that they're still relevant. Um, you have to have complaint procedures in most, most industries. Um, if you're registered at an ombudsman, you'll have to have complaint procedures. Look at your employment contracts again, because that keeps that, that environment keeps on changing day on a day-to-day -day basis. Guys, and that's that's basically uh, um, uh, we'll make this available to you if, if if you want that, and you can use it as a checklist just to see whether whether you are compliant. Thanks, thanks for listening to this little talk, the interesting portion of the morning. <laughs> But I think I'm looking forward to Steve. Thanks, Daryl. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. It's not fun talking about compliance stuff, but it is so important. So, yeah, encouragement to all of us is in whatever way, shape, or form, let's ensure that we're compliant in every year. Uh, looks like we've got Steve back, and uh, hopefully, this time, Internet will, will be working on his side. So, Steve, over to you. Steve, you're still muted. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Hopefully the hopefully the internet is is better. Um, yeah. So Daryl asked me to share a little bit around uh, engaging the online world. 
uh, specifically when it comes to marketing. Um, and, you know, first, yeah, let me introduce myself. Um, I'm Stephen. Uh, I work for a company called Accenture, which is a um, large professional services provider. Um, I'm in the innovation and growth strategy space. So we deal with uh, large corporates mainly and trying to figure out what is their strategy, how they're going to grow, how can they effectively innovate and become leaders in the market. Um, so yeah, engaging with, uh, uh, with large corporates. I think, Daryl, your story of trying to explain what I do definitely resonates. I don't think most people know what I do, including myself most days. Um, difficult to, to truly understand it. Um, so yeah, digital, digital marketing and digital engagement, I think, you know, Martin raised a couple of good points, Daryl as well. Um, but I think there is no silver bullet for, uh, for digital marketing. You know, there, there are differences in your customers, there's differences in marketing B2B uh, versus, uh, so business to business versus business to customer. Um, and it really takes time to reach the desired results and experimentation is key. You have to em embrace a mindset of, I need to experiment, I need to measure, test and learn um, to get the right outcome. So I don't think there's going to be a one size fits all approach. And I certainly don't know, you know, your business. Uh, but the good news is that you know your business, hopefully. So you know, sort of what already have an inkling of what could work and what couldn't work. And hopefully, you know, as, as a lot of people said, you know, your customer. Um, there's also differences in, you know, targeting your existing base, which, which Brahm raised is, is very important. And, you, you know, you want to get more engagement out of your existing base versus gaining new customers. Um, and I think that, you know, while there isn't a silver bullet, the most important thing um, is that, you tell a good story. So echoing what, what Daryl said, you can engage in Facebook, email, um, you know, over WhatsApp. If you're not telling me something relevant to me and telling a good story, then I'm not going to engage regardless of how effective your targeting is and your, um, you know, the different channel that you use and, and meeting me at a point in my life where I'm thinking about your, uh, your product. If you can't tell me a good story, uh, then the rest is is actually useless. And um, you know, as as a company, Accenture, we have changed our uh, slogan um, to being more purpose led and telling and trying to tell a story and trying to tell a story around our purpose. We used to be Accenture, which was high performance delivered, which was all about us. We are the high performance, and we come and deliver it to your business. Um, now our slogan is improving the way the world works and lives, which is more about you and more about a purpose-driven approach to, um, to what we do. Um, and I think, you know, one thing's for sure, most, most people on the call will be, you know, certainly business owners will be in the small, medium-sized business space, not owning, you know, JSC-listed companies necessarily, but, uh, and, and South African businesses, but one thing is for sure is that customers aren't comparing you to the other South African business. They're comparing you to Facebook, your experience to Uber, to Airbnb. People are expecting more out of you as a company, regardless of, um, of whether they're actually competitors to your space. So, so the first thing is there is no silver bullet. The second thing is um, 
that you need to start with outcomes. So we always uh, recommend our, um, our clients start with outcomes and digital marketing is no different. You know, are you looking for more sales? Are you looking for new customers? Um, are you looking for engagement with existing customers? Like, do you want engagement? Do you want your customers to be more engaged? Are you looking to be more effective with your marketing spend? So you've got a marketing budget of a thousand rand. Do you want that to go further? Do you want it to be more effective? Are you looking at, you know, as Bram said, the existing customers versus the new customers? So what is it that you are trying to achieve? Um, and that will help you with your messaging. Um, it will help you with your call to action of what you want out of the, um, out of the email, out of the Facebook post, out of the video. Um, and it helps you measure success. If you don't know what you are trying to achieve, it's very difficult to actually measure whether you're being effective or not. So first start with outcomes, very important. Um, and I think you know, practical tips, all of the big platforms uh, do allow you to track your effectiveness. So you know, Martin was talking about email campaigns, MailChimp, they have analytics to track you know, how effective your open rates are, uh, how many people are clicking on different links, Facebook will tell you how many people opened your post, how many people engaged. YouTube will tell you, you know, did they watch the full video? Did they skip the ad? Um, Google Analytics will tell you how, uh, how your bounce rates are. So did people come onto the website and leave within the first three seconds or did they stay? Did they go to another part of your website? And most of these things are free. Uh, certainly the base package, you can get a base level of um, of engagement or in, in the tracking for free. And I think benchmarks are pretty, pretty easy to find on, on Google as well. Um, so the second thing, start with outcomes. It'll help you with your call to action and it'll help you uh, measure whether you're being successful or not. The third thing is know your customer. And a couple of people uh, mentioned this, um, but it is really important to know what your customer wants. And I'll, I'll tell you a story um, about uh, two people because um, I think when people think about knowing their customer they think about you know how old that customer is where do they live um, how rich are they but I'll tell you a story of two people they were both born in 1948 they both grew up in England they both were divorced and married for the second time they both have two children they're both very wealthy and very successful in business they both spend their winter in the Alps and they both love dogs. So who are the two people that I'm talking about? Well, the two people I'm talking about is Prince Charles and Ozzy Osbourne. Two vastly different personas and different people with the same demographic uh, um, information. Um, you know, very difficult to tell apart if you're just reading a story, but their mindset and the way they live their life is completely different. Um, so just be careful of only targeting people and segmenting people by age, gender, race, income, um, that sort of thing. They can play a role, and absolutely you should know that. But mindset is becoming more and more important. How does your customer think? Um, which is obviously more difficult to understand. Um, and the only sort of free advice that I can give on that is you have to be speaking to your customers to know your customer. It's not good enough to just be on Google Analytics and uh, you know, finding out how old and you know, are they male or female. If you don't speak to your customer, you're never gonna know your customer. Um, 
and I love what you know what Martin was was doing there around you know coaches relating to coaches because I feel uh, you know in my experience in business or in consulting as well is that a B two B marketing campaign you're still targeting a person at the end of the day. There is still a buyer that is a human being that you have to get to buy your product, whether they are working uh, in a role in a company or whether they are an actual customer um, out in the world, they are still a human being. And you know, getting a connection with that human being and knowing what does a golf coach want? And obviously Martin knows that because he is a golf coach. Um, but it's as easy as stepping out and engaging with your customer to be able to understand uh, their mindset. Um, so the second, the second part is, is know your customer, or the third part is know your customer. And the one, um, and we'll touch on kind of the different mediums uh, that you can do across the customer journey as well. The fourth uh, point is around targeting moments that matter uh, in your customer's life. So. Did you know that over 90% of apps that are downloaded are either only used once or deleted within three months of being downloaded and never used? Um, we as, uh, as Accenture are calling the death of apps. Um, uh, sorry, Martin, but <laughs> I know you have an app, but uh, yeah, apps have to be extremely relevant to you to actually um, stick. I mean, how many apps on your phone do you not use? tons of them you probably have you know 90 percent of your apps on your phone you don't use you use whatsapp email and some other things that maybe are relevant in your life but um, but most of the time you download an app thinking it's amazing and you never use it so what does this tell us or what's the point i'm trying to make is that the sort of build it and they will come is dead um you know now more than ever customers have an overload of information uh and to actually capture a customer's attention is harder than ever. You're getting you know, bombarded from all sides, TV, social media, email, uh, billboards, newspapers, whatever it is um, that is bombarding you as a customer and it's very difficult to capture your attention. So timing becomes really important. And I'll tell a, a story um, about this as well. Um, we were doing work for a retirement fund um, and trying to solve how people onboard onto uh, a new job and then make decisions about their retirement fund. So do they contribute 7% to their retirement fund, 10%, 12%, and we're trying to influence them to make a better decision about their finances. But what we found out is that at the moment where people are onboarding onto a job, they're not actually thinking about their retirement. They're thinking about, okay, I've got a new job, how do I get my kids to school? Um, maybe I took the job because I need, I wanted a better life, work-life balance. So maybe I'm, I need, I'm thinking about my diet and how I'm going to exercise and, you know, what is traffic going to be like? Um, and all of these things were in people's minds at that moment of onboarding. And instead of saying, okay, we need to compete for their attention. Uh, what we did was we tried to incorporate these topics that they were thinking about into our approach to targeting them. So instead of just offering a retirement uh, solution where people would go in and engage with their retirement, we also offered them connected with YouCook, which is an eating company and um, or food company, healthy food company, and offered them a discount on the healthy food. Uh, we engaged with them on 
um, you know, aftercare for their kids and, and different schools and how to get them so that we were relevant in the moment that we wanted to capture them. And then we also spoke to them about their retirement. Um, so I think the timing, uh, Google used to have a, um, uh, a concept called the zero moment of truth. How can I get you to be thinking about my product when, you, when you're actually making a buying decision? And it probably starts long before, but you have to be relevant in that moment when, um, when you're trying to help people or have people buy your products. Um, the, the fifth one is around engaging people in the channel of choice. So, so Martin is 100% right. Email still delivers the highest return on investments. I think it's for every, in the US, for every dollar spent, you get around a $40 return on average across email marketing, whereas social media uh, is much lower than that. Uh, billboards, obviously, much lower. TV adverts, even lower. Um, so email is, is very effective. I'm not going to go through that, but I think you know, uh, some things that you can look at on email is you know, surveys, uh, blogs, um, you know, even quizzes, things to engage people. Um, you can be quite creative around that. Uh, I think second to email, the most important one is around Google My Business. So this is when I searched, and I searched last night for wood, buying wood in Joburg, uh, Eco Timber Traders, which is Rob's, uh, Rob Chubb's company, actually came up. They've got a bunch of pictures on there. It showed me where it was on the map. It gives me the contact details, the opening times, all of that. And they have actually gone in and put a little bit of effort. It's actually quite easy to do to get their business on the map when it comes to, um, uh, you know, Googling things like that. So uh, when you Google a business, normally, you know, you've got the sponsored businesses, which you pay for. Then after that, you've got the non-paid for Google My Business businesses, which are normally linked to the map and have got all the contact details and stuff. And after that, you have the generic uh, results, which you, know, you can optimize via search engine optimization and stuff. But uh, another stat is that 61% of all online shopping is initially done through a search engine, so through Google probably. So people are not typing in your website. They are typing in... Uh, even if it's the name of your company, they are typing it in Google and then going to your website rather than just typing in your website or clicking it from your bookmarks or whatever. So having a presence on Google is, is vital. Um, another, another one um, is you know, Facebook, Instagram. And I think you know, Martin raised a good point. <laughs> you have to, they, they kind of force you to put money behind a post because you know, even if you've got people following you, they're not always... Uh, going to show that post to those people. So uh, it can be effective and it can, I think the most effective way to use social media is around building your personality. So if you want to have a personality as a brand, as a business, social media is great because you can have this two-way engagement with customers. You can get them to rate you. Uh, you can, you know, uh, do fun social media campaigns that gets people to engage. But as a you know, as a staple of a business, your know, social media is not, is not the, I think the, the primary thing you should be, you should be looking at. Um, I think another thing to point out with social media is that once you start, you can't stop. If you start engaging on social media and then you go dead, uh, it's very difficult to gain the trust back of a customer. So, you know, again, people are comparing you to Uber, uh, to Airbnb, where I, 
post on Facebook and I get an, a, spot, a response within eight hours. They expect the same from your business, regardless of whether uh, you know, you're a one-man show or you have a big business. They are expecting that and they're comparing you subconsciously against the brands that they have the best experiences with. So, so social media, you've got to be really careful um, around uh, starting. But if you start, it really can be an effective way to build your brand's um, personality. Um, I think one other thing to mention around this is don't create one piece of content for one channel. Try to repurpose the content. So, you know, Martin has a couple of great examples there around the putting uh, coach. He's got a video. He's got a little blog thing saying how it works. He can use that on multiple different channels and probably does because creating a video is a lot of work. Creating a blog is a lot of work. You don't want to just waste that on one channel. So try and try and think about how you can create the content that can be emailed to someone, put on Facebook, put on Instagram, WhatsApp, uh, on your WhatsApp story or whatever it is. Um, even, you know, yet there's free content, there's free tools that help you transcribe your videos. So they actually take out all the speaking in your video and make it into text. You can post that on uh, next to the video uh, on your website, which helps with search engine optimization as well, because then Google will search for the different words that are on your uh, email. And often your videos have very the catchy phrases and stuff that you want Google to pick up. Um, and then the, the second last point is, and it's a, quite a quick one, is don't forget about operationalization. Um, so don't forget about fulfillment. Um, you know, telling a great story is great. Uh, but if you can't fulfill on your story, you'll fail. So having the story is, is amazing. Um, but if you can't actually fulfill on that promise, uh, people lose trust very quickly. So it goes way beyond just marketing. But think about, you know, if you've got a physical product, how are you now you're starting to an online business? How are you actually going to deliver that product to the end customer? How long is it going to take? What are you, how are you managing expectations around, around the delivery of the story that you're telling? Um, so never forget, it's not just about a sexy story. It's also about how you deliver on that story. And then the last point uh, that I want to make is, you know, what if I don't have time? It seems like this is a lot of effort to learn the Facebook algorithm, which is, you know, probably going to change, uh, tomorrow and the next day and the next day because they want more money. Um, I think there is something called a virtual assistant. And there are a couple of, uh, couple of sites in South Africa that actually provide virtual assistance. Uh, and it's less than 300 Rand an hour. Uh, you can pay someone. Uh, and and what, one of the things that really um, they do well is social media. So if you want to get involved in social media, um, you know, paying a virtual assistant five hours a month or 10 hours a month to run your entire social media can actually be quite cheap, uh, three, less than 300 Rand an hour. Um, and the two websites that I know of is the virtual studio. So the bs.co.za and skivvy.co.za. But if you just type in virtual assistants on Google, um, those two companies sort of come up pretty close to the top. Um, and that, yeah, it, it's a, it's a fairly cheap way. You don't have to then go and learn all the algorithms and what works best and what doesn't. And they, you know, can take their, uh, efficiency from doing this at a whole bunch of different companies and apply it to your business. So they, what they get done in an hour 
is probably a lot more than you can get done in an hour. And generally, if you're a business owner, um, you know, your, your hour is worth a lot more than 300 grand is because um, you're often driving the sales and, and making the strategic decisions. But if you want to do it yourself, uh, I recommend, you know, email, uh, MailChimp uh, is great. And, but if social media, there's a company called HootSuite, so H-O-O-T-E Suite. Uh, and that helps you, similar to MailChimp with email, it'll help you schedule your posts so that you don't have to actually go out and, and schedule or and post them at the different times in the day. And as I said, timing is critical because you're trying to capture your customer's attention and knowing when they're on social media, when is the best time to post and with what is very important uh, to know. So I'll repeat the sort of the, the bullet points again. So there is no silver bullet. Um, uh, you have to start with outcomes. What do you want to achieve? Those, that is the most important one. Um, you must know your customer, and this often involves actually speaking to your customer. Um, uh, target the moments that matter in people's lives and think about when, is, when are customers supposed to be thinking about my product and then trying to explore what is what, how can I engage them best at that moment? Um, engage them in their channel of choice. So think about the channel that they most engage with. Email is definitely the highest return on investment. Uh, don't forget that it's not about a sexy story. It's also about how you fulfill on the promise. And then if you don't have time, uh, virtual assistants are great bang for buck in terms of managing, uh, managing your online content. It was probably too long, but hopefully it was good. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate your, your inputs and contributions. Really, really good. And well done. Being a consultant, you, you, you spoke, speak that we could understand. Most consultants are geniuses at uh, making everything so complex. No one has any cooking clue what they're talking about. And so we think we have to hire them. Otherwise, we'll never survive. And well done, Steve. You made it, you made it understandable. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think as we as we wrap up, if there are one or two questions relating to anything that was discussed this morning for Bram or, or Steve or Martin, um, we, we can address one or two questions. Otherwise, I think we're going to bring it to to an end shortly. Uh, and I think the, the encouragement this morning is marketing is a key, and we've we've got to invest in marketing. We've got to be intentional about marketing. We all hope that your business or product is going to just go, and people are just going to find you. But unfortunately, that is not the reality. Um, we, we all have, you know, a customer acquisition cost. It's going to cost you something to to get a new a new customer, a new client. We can't just expect that they're just going to come find you. We have to go and help them to find you by getting out there, whether it's email, social media, or whatever marketing platform you want. And so, communicating what your business does clearly and effectively on the right channel at the right time to the right people is a key to see your business grow and uh, thrive during during this time. So are there any questions for, for any of our different contributors from um, this morning? Cool. I'm not seeing any hands. So uh, I think uh, we will pray and call it a day. I have recorded here, so we will put it out and I have got notes. So Steve, maybe if you'll just send me those two websites for the virtual assistant and I'll add those into the notes as well and I'll email those out later this morning. So you guys have got that. Brom, do you want to maybe close in 
closing prayer for us. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Lord, we just thank you that we have the privilege of um, being in business. Uh, we thank you that we can live with the knowledge that you are inside of us. You give us wisdom. You give us peace. You give us guidance. And we pray this morning that, that something that was said this morning will assist us in building our businesses. That you will remind us of the words that were said this morning that are relevant to us. Um, we, we thank you that you are inside of us giving us plans and innovation for our businesses, Lord. We pray the blood of Jesus over us, your peace, your protection, your guidance in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brian, Amen. thanks again to Martin, Steve, and also Brian for your guys' contributions. Um, we will chat again. We'll, we'll do another Zoom in about a month's time. And uh, otherwise, for those of you guys that have been involved in the Prayer and Prophecy groups, hope you've enjoyed that and continue to pray for one another and for, for our businesses to thrive during this time. So God bless. Hope you guys have a wonderful day further. We'll catch you online tomorrow morning. Reminder, we are on, on 9 o'clock for church tomorrow morning. God bless.